the 20th in the year of our Lord 2021. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and along with Mark Smith, we're going to be taking a look at a hymn, The King of Love My Shepherd Is. The first two verses of this song, namely, The King of Love My Shepherd Is. It was written by Henry Baker. Now, I actually had an uncle named Henry Baker, but unfortunately, this isn't him. Henry Baker lived between 1821 and 1877, and in England was primarily responsible for guiding the creation of hymns ancient and modern. This collection arose from the discussions by two English clergymen who happened to meet on a train trip, and they saw the importance of putting up these hymns. In fact, this became an effective means in the hands of the people who used them for spreading and broadcasting not only high church views and practices, but it ranks as one of the great events in the history of hymnody of the English-speaking churches. The, the hymn was written by Henry Baker, and it is once more one of those hymns that is based on the 23rd Psalm. In fact, it just so happens that this paraphrase of the psalm is one of the most acclaimed. Uh, John Ellerton, author of The Day Thou Gavest, Lord is Ended, described it as perhaps the most beautiful of all the countless versions of Psalm 23. And this came from Henry Baker. So it has six verses, and we're going to be taking a look at them uh, with my good friend. Are you on the line? Yes, I sure am, Tom. Pastor Mark right Smith. Here. Right. And so why are we doing this hymn this Sunday? Well, because uh, uh, historically, for churches in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, the fourth Sunday of Easter has been Good Shepherd Sunday. I don't know how long that tradition has been going on, but for some years anyway, 
we've always had Good Shepherd Sunday on the fourth Sunday of Easter. Yes. And who is the Good Shepherd? Jesus, of course. Yes, exactly. And this is kind of a Psalm 23. In fact, all four hymns I'm using this Sunday talk about Jesus as the shepherd. Right. And so we need to take a look at this. If you'd be so kind as to begin with stanza one. Okay. The king of love my shepherd is, whose goodness faileth never. I nothing lack if I am his, and he is mine forever. Now, it starts off the king of love. Why the word king? Well, he is, he is the king of kings. He's the exactly. prince of peace and the king of kings, the lord of yes. lords. So the king of love would be the highest form of love that is ever available for human beings. That is right. Agape love, as we call it. Yes. Now, we call this the good shepherd. What's the word good referring to? Good means uh, it's good when, when somebody does good. It's, it's always in accord with God's will. Oh, that's excellent. You know why? Because it's I the listened word... to your Bible study yesterday. <laughs> oh, okay. Very good. Very good. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's found in Genesis 1. As parts of the creation are finished, what does God say? And it was good. And it was good. Right. And it doesn't mean it was morally good or it was opposite of bad. It means that it was accomplishing a purpose for which God intended. It kind exactly. of reminds me of the second commandment. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And for a long time, I was trying to figure out how can I explain what in vain means. And it finally struck me that if you don't use his name uh, in, if you use his name in vain, you are using it for a purpose for which he had not created it. That is right. And so the good shepherd means that he is doing correctly the mission he is sent on. And what was the mission he was sent on? He was sent to this earth to redeem sinful man, to redeem all of, all of lost mankind. Excellent. I'll continue with stanza two. Where streams of living water flow, my ransomed soul he leadeth. And where the verdant pastures grow, with food celestial feedeth. So what's that picking up from Psalm 23? Yeah. Uh, what, what was the question, Tom? I don't know if I heard you clearly. What is that verse picking up from Psalm oh, 23? That's, let's see. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Yes. Why does still waters, why is that important? Well, because uh, still waters are safe for sheep, but uh, running water um, can be treacherous. Because of their wool. Right. They get drowned. Yes. Yeah. Well said. So, he, where streams of living water flow, so living water would be 
water that's flowing, but keeping the sheep alive. Right. And can you imagine a shepherd taking his sheep to a raging river? Yeah. Or a stagnant pond, you know, uh, where the water's no good. Well, we always ask this question, where the verdant pastures grow, what's verdant mean? Yes, verdant, it's got to be green. (laughs) Yes. It's got to be it's got to be green. We ask that every year, verdant. Yeah, yeah. In the various hymns, uh, the hymn that follows this one is really a close hymn to Psalm one twenty three. The Lord's my shepherd; I'll not want. And uh, it's actually the text from Psalm twenty three. It doesn't even have an author on it, but uh, it makes it very clear that uh, in paths of righteousness and by clean waters he leads us. So what's the clean waters for us today? How would you apply it to your congregation? Oh, I, uh, that definitely reminds us of our baptism. Excellent. Yep, excellent. And uh, then also it, it says, with food celestial feeds us. What else can that be but the Lord's Supper? In fact, in fact, this hymn uh, is is often used, or this this hymn, or this psalm, Psalm twenty three, is often used in connection with the Lord's Supper. In fact, whenever I would give shut ins, I take the Lord's Supper to shut ins or or people that are ill or in the hospital. I would always use the twenty third psalm. Yes. Now you're uh, pastoring uh, as an interim pastor a congregation in Wildwood, Missouri. Yes. Are you visiting shut ins? Yes, I visited uh, two shut-ins just the other day, about a week ago, yes. Yeah, see, where I'm at in Illinois, that's still not permitted. Yeah, yeah, well, it's, it's, uh, 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 these are two shut-ins that, uh, that requested a visit, and I was happy to, happy to give them a visit and bring them the Holy Supper. Have you had your uh, two shots yet? No. Yeah. Uh, we got our first one, and so we're 67% okay, but pretty soon we'll have our second one and be up to 97% okay. Uh, the only way I did shut-ins is I would take time after the second service, and I would be there at the church, and I had shut-ins come, and were privately in the office, just myself, sure. shut-in, and maybe the spouse. Sure. And uh, that's how we were doing it there. Yeah. But there's still, in our area, nursing homes that I'm not allowed to enter. Oh, yeah, I believe that. Sure. Same yes. thing goes for the hospitals. Yeah. Oh, boy. That's for sure. Okay. Stanza three, please. Perverse and foolish, oft I strayed, but yet in love he sought me. And on his shoulder gently laid, and home rejoicing brought me. That's, so, visions, that's visions of the parable of the lost sheep. Yes, that's good. That's good. I hadn't thought about that. In, in other words, every sermon, every Bible study, and every hymn ought to have a distinction between law and gospel. We've heard the gospel the king of love my shepherd is, and now we hear the law, perverse and foolish oft I strayed, but yet in love he sought me. 
That's no doubt Luke 15, uh, the parable of the lost sheep. And on his shoulder gently laid, and home rejoicing brought me. You know, a lot of unfortunate Christians believe that they are saved because they invite Christ into their heart. They make a decision. It's called decision theology. That is totally contrary to the word of God. You would have to change this parable that Jesus the shepherd goes out, the sheep sees Jesus, jumps out of the hole, runs to him, jumps on his shoulders, and says, I am ready to be taken home. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, no, if you if you are uh, seeking the Lord in prayer, you all, he has already saved you. He's already brought you to himself. You already have faith, uh, God-given faith, that, it, that has enabled you to pray. That's a very good point, because if you're an unbeliever, you have no desire to invite Christ into your heart because you hate him. That's right. And so the, your point is exactly true. Anybody who desires that they be a Christian, they are a Christian. Uh, it's understood properly that they're saved by grace through faith on account of Jesus Christ. All right. I'll do four. In death's dark veil, I fear no ill. With thee, dear Lord, beside me, thy rod and staff, my comfort still, thy cross before to guide me. Boy, that's filled with sermon material. Yeah, all sorts of stuff there. The the distinction between the rod and the staff, for instance. I can't even remember. The, they're, two, they're two different things, you know, the rod and the staff, and they're for two different purposes. But I can't, for the life of me, remember which is which. Do you? Okay, yes. David, remember, he defeated a bear and a lion right. when they were attacking the sheep. That was right. using the rod. The okay, the staff, rod is for defense. Yes, and attack against uh, evil things. Right. The staff is kind of like a great big question mark. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, got shepherd's, that curve. shepherd's crook. Exactly. And what it does, let's say the sheep falls into a, a ditch, well, you use the staff to go around the neck of the sheep and bring it up out of the ditch. Right. Or if, or if the sheep is headed in the wrong direction, you may loop around his neck and pull him aside. Yes. You know, in New Guinea, I, I was talking to a missionary years ago, and he said that at first when they got there, there are no sheep in New Guinea. So the people didn't know what they were talking about, about the lost sheep. So mm -hmm. they changed it to pigs. But uh -huh. it didn't work because pigs are pretty smart in comparison <laughs> to dumb sheep. And so they finally went back to sheep and showed pictures of those animals that they were able to obtain. Yeah, that's interesting because I know in New Zealand, uh, which is fairly near New Guinea, uh, New Zealand I, I think is south of uh, the Australian continent, and in New Zealand, yes. of course, uh, they raise sheep and wool, you know. Yes, yes. Well, this was in the highlands of New Guinea, mm -hmm. so there were no sheep there that they were aware of. Uh -huh. So what's 
How do you explain to a congregation? Remember, it's just not interpretation, namely rod and staff, and we just explain what that means. What's the application? How does God use his rod today and staff among Christians? Well, he uses his rod to defend us uh, from uh, the devil, uh, defend us from false teaching, from false shepherds, and uh, that sort of thing. And uh, so that's you know he he defends us that way, and and he and he uh, defends us against any any evil that is uh, that is attacking us or or uh, threatening us, whereas. Uh, his staff he's he's keeping us he it's for it's for our comfort and uh and for our direction in for love example, he gives us at go, a go funeral ahead. service would he be using his rod or staff uh staff exactly yeah well said about the comfort part is that you're lifting people up out of their grief now, we still grieve, but we do not grieve as those who have no hope. That's right. And so that rod and staff still continues. And as you said, the very next words, thy rod and staff, my comfort still. You see, we're even comforted when he uses his rod against our enemies. You've got passages like 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. There's no temptation that comes to you that is not common to man, and God will also provide a way of escape. Right. So that's where we can be sheltered by Jesus Christ. But the last line we need to talk about, thy cross before to guide me. Right. The cross is always there in the background. You bet. Now, how does that guide us? Well, we, we are focused uh, the cross is the is the ultimate purpose for which he came. Uh, the cross, in the cross of Christ, I glory, towering over the wrecks of time. We, we, the, the cross is paramount in in uh, in our ministry, in what Jesus has done. Uh, every every sermon should center on the cross, as well as the uh, empty Easter tomb. Uh, if you don't preach the cross, you haven't done your job. Yes, and you need to apply the cross properly. So uh, here's how I'm thinking that might be done. There really is a problem among many Christians today due to the virus. They're getting into, shall we say, a lot of uh, psychological problems. Many of them are stuck in their homes. They can't get out. Uh, they don't see their family. We haven't been with our family since... Uh, a year ago, last March. And, and so for some, this is having a problem. So how sure. does the cross help that? What we do, we compare the sufferings we're going through with the cross, and our sufferings are minimal compared right. to what Jesus did for us. That's, That's right. how I would bring the cross in in that kind of a situation. And always remember the the cross is for us. It's all for us. That's something we got to keep in mind too. It was not yes. just an obstacle that Jesus went through, but it it was done for us. It's the distinction between historical faith that just says it happened and saving faith 
that says it is for us, as you just pointed out. All righty. Now we get to verse 5. Thou spreadst a table in my sight. Thine unction grace bestoweth. And oh, what transport of delight from thy pure chalice floweth. And what's that cop talking about? Well, that's uh, that's the the 23rd Psalm. Thou, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup overfloweth. Now, there's a good example. When you just read Psalm 23, my cup overflows, you could get the impression that, you know, we all have various blessings, and our cup of blessing is overflowing. What Henry Baker did when he wrote the hymn, he definitely indicated that this is also talking about the Lord's Supper. That's right. He talks about the chalice. Yes, specifically. Now, I'm going to ask you a question again. What's the word unction mean? Unction would be um, anointing. Being yes. An, an anointing. And uh, it's like... Uh, Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup overfloweth. I, I can't help but think, I think when it talks about unction and the, the anointing, it, it's talking about that's a reference to the Holy Spirit there. Yes, which we received in baptism. In, ba in baptism, as well as in the Lord's Supper. Oh, absolutely. And uh, notice that third line. What transport of delight right. from thy pure chalice floweth. How would you explain that to a child? What is meant by well, the transport of delight? Well, uh, let's see, transport of delight. I would say, you know, the chalice, we know what what holds what the chalice holds, and that's the, the precious blood of Christ, which, of course, bestows on us forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. And it's, and it's a foreshadowing of the heavenly banquet as well that we will... Uh, that we'll share with our Lord Jesus and all the saints in heaven. Yeah, well said. Transport, you know, we use the word transportation. In other words, you go from one location to another location. Well, what's happening in the Lord's Supper, there's a transportation of delight from Christ himself to us, and that flows from the chalice. That's right. By the way, at your church, do you have individual cups, chalice, or both? No, we at we uh, we have the the individual cups at St. Paul's in Wildwood. Now, at yes. the church where I spent thirty eight years, we had uh, there was a choice: you could t take the chalice or you could have the individual cups, and it, it worked it worked very well. Yeah, I think uh, today because of the concern over the virus, more and more congregations have gone to the individual cups. We used to have both also, but then we were advised by our uh, district to just go with the individual cups, and uh, that seems to be safer at this point. Right, right. All right, please read the last stanza. And so through all the length of days, thy goodness faileth never. Good shepherd, may I sing thy praise within thy house forever. Now, what time 
is being spoken of in this verse. And so through all the length of days, well, it's talking about all our life. Yes, here on earth. Right. His goodness faileth never. Now, we get back to the good shepherd, that he is accomplishing the mission for which he sent. Nothing ever happens to you that God is not aware of. That's and right. therefore, he's very careful to make sure that your faith is not lost as you turn to him in help. And therefore, he, you can sing his praise within thy house forever. That's now, right. What's the word house refer to? That's uh, talking about his, his uh, heavenly kingdom, the, the new heaven and new earth that we will, uh, will join our Savior and uh, our, our bodies as well as souls will be yes. welcomed into that new heaven and new earth, and, and we'll have the grandest reunion. We'll be able to be, see all of our loved ones that have fallen asleep in Jesus. Uh, that'll be the heavenly kingdom. I think it refers to the house we're living in now. Well, the Holy Christian yeah. Church on Earth. Uh-huh. That too, that's a foretaste of the heavenly bliss that we have. Exactly, exactly. In, in fact, that's what the Lord's Supper is so important yeah. about. It's being a foretaste. And his goodness faileth never, as you indicated earlier, that the time is also here on Earth. And right. we sing his praise in our worship services, and then we're within his house forever. And that eternity began once more. Guess what we're going to get back to? With baptism. Our baptism. Well That's said. Right. Mm -hmm. So well, are you using this hymn? Oh, definitely. In fact, we're using this uh, during the distribution. Okay. Well, I'm Tom Baker, and you listen to Mark Smith. Uh, tomorrow's Law and Gospel is going to be kind of a little surprise because we're done with the churches from Revelation. So join with us to see what we're talking about on Wednesday. We won't be on the air Thursday and Friday due to the Sherathon. We'll, we'll be back next Monday. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.